Hey, if you've got a Bible, um, we're going to use it. We're going to jump through a bunch of passages this morning. We're going into week two of our brand new series called More Than a Song, and uh, where we are basically going to tiptoe through for the next few weeks uh, Romans chapter 12 and looking at what worship is. And it is, um, spoiler alert, it's more than a song. And so I want to start in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Uh, where Jesus gives a little bit of an instruction on how to, how to love God. And he says this phrase, and we've probably heard it before, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's, yeah, most of us would go, yeah, I, I, I love God with my heart. Because, you know, we give our heart to God, and it's our heart, it's our affections, it's our desire. We, I love God with that. And, and, and we can go, I love God with my soul, the very essence of who I am, my spirit person, my, my inner being, uh, my soul worships and loves God, absolutely. But then have you ever stopped to think about the mind? That Jesus is saying, hey, love God with your heart, your soul, and your, your mind. It, for me, it seems so clinical, it seems so mechanical, it seems religious, almost unspiritual to... Love God with your mind. Surely loving God, surely worshipping God is about how we feel. Surely it's about our identity and who we are and the very core of us. And so from that place we worship God, we get the woman fuzzies and we feel good. And yes, it is those things, but Jesus is saying, hey, we love and worship God more than just with our sensory perceptions, more than just with our heart, more than just with our soul. We actually worship God and love Him with our mind, which is crazy. And that's what leads us into this next passage in Romans chapter 12 we're looking at. Verse 2. Where it says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So last week we, we, we spent all week just, all, all messages um, rolling around Romans 12 verse 1. And we looked at what is worship and why worship God. There were the two questions we answered. What is worship and why worship God? And from that, we drew the conclusion that worship is, as the screen says, more than a song. Worship is becoming a living sacrifice. It's, it's leading our lives in such a way that it is wholly acceptable and pleasing to God when He looks down on our life. That is what worship is. And so verse 2 um, scratches a bit deeper and gives us a bit more detail on what that actually looks like to be a living sacrifice. And if we were to break this verse down, what it centers around really is this idea of renewing our mind. Renewing our mind, our thinking processes, our brains how we are hardwired to think about ourselves, think about the world, think about God. And so if we were to break down this passage in the context of renewing our mind, we could extrapolate, there's a new word that I learned this week, um, three things that result from us renewing our mind. Romans 12 tells us when we renew our mind, it prevents us from being conformed to this world. So that's a good thing. Renewing our mind prevents us from being conformed to the patterns of this world. The second thing it does, renewing our mind, brings about transformation. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
Okay, so, so transformation happens when we renew our minds. Something like a metamorphosis starts to take place in, in the core of who we are when we renew our mind. And the third thing it does is it allows us to discern God's will. Because we are tuned into His frequency. We are renewing our mind uh, and we're not conforming to this world. Therefore, we're being conformed to God's way and God's ways are higher. His, great, uh, his thoughts are greater. And, and we start to get transformed in His likeness, in His image as we think, so are we. And then ultimately we begin to dis- see and discern what God's will is for our lives. So as we can see, there's a big deal that... The renewing our mind has big consequences. It's a big theme. It's an important thing. Jesus says, hey, love God with your mind. Worship God with your mind. Romans 2, uh, 12, 2 says you are, we are transformed by renewing our mind. It's a big, important thing. And if we don't think it is from this passage, well, let's, let's inverse this passage and these principles and flip them and see what the ramifications would be by not renewing our mind. Let's take those same three concepts and we'll just flip them. So by not renewing our mind, we could deduct that it ensures that we are conformed to this world and stuck in its systems. Okay? So if we renew our mind, we're not conformed to this world. But if we choose not to renew our mind, then we actually conform to this world and get stuck in its system. The second thing not renewing our mind does, it leaves you as you are and nothing changes except the amplification of your brokenness. When we renew our mind, we're transformed. But if we don't renew our mind, then nothing changes. In fact, we just get amplified in the place of problem that we find ourselves in. And the last thing that not renewing our mind does is it distorts our ability to discern God's will for our life because we're simply not tuned into His frequency. So renewing our mind, thinking about our mind, uh, worshipping God and loving God with our mind is actually a really, really big deal. And I want today to be super practical, super helpful, because worship, as beautiful as what it was this morning as we sang songs, it really is more than a song. Worship is a life surrendered. It's a lifestyle. That's what worship is. Renewing our minds is ridiculously important. In fact, it is a vital piece of the process of worship as a living sacrifice. Uh, in my research this week, I was reading through the New Bible Commentary because I'm a Bible nerd. And it says this about this passage. It says, our minds are not immediately changed. So talking about when, when we become a Christian, when we start to follow Jesus, we cross that line of faith and we trust Him with our life, right? Our minds aren't immediately changed. Our thinking still tends to follow the well-worn ruts of the old way of life. Thus, we are called to engage in the lifelong process of changing the way we think. And by changing the way we think, we change the way we live. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit that is within you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. Be a living sacrifice. Live the life of worship. The message is it this way, because I love Eugene. He's awesome. 
Didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God has paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let, pe- let people see God in and through your body, living this life of worship. In other words, salvation isn't cheap. God's grace isn't cheap. God's mercy isn't cheap. In fact, God's grace is free. Salvation is free. God's mercy is free, but it isn't cheap. God paid his, Jesus paid the price of his life, as we heard this morning already, for us to have salvation, for us to have God's peace, for us to have God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. And when we experience that, then there is a change in us that is nothing short of miraculous. When we understand the price that's been paid, we cross that line of faith, we follow after Jesus, what happens is nothing short of a miracle. It's a spiritual resurrection that occurs inside of us. It's it's the unlocking of eternity with with God in paradise forever that, that is given to us in a moment when we choose to follow Him. It changes everything. And so when I think about this, when I think about the price that was paid for me, when I think about the change that has happened in me, when I think about what God has done in and through me over my life, it's incredible. And the price that he paid to do that. And it got me thinking about this concept. And and I remember when when I got married, I couldn't afford to think anymore like a single person. Because I was married. I, I couldn't just go wherever I pleased, do whatever I wanted. I, I had a wife to consider now. I didn't have an open schedule to do what I want, when I want. I've got to think about my wife. And so when I got married, I could not afford to no longer anymore think like a single person. And then kids come along on the scene, and most of you have kids and you understand the, how, how that works. And so when, when kids come along and I became a parent, I could no longer afford to think like a newlywed. We couldn't just get up on Saturday morning, let's go for breakfast, let's go for a walk on the beach. No, no, we've got a baby. It's kept us up all the hours of the night. We've got a responsibility, we've got a routine that we've got to stick to to keep the baby healthy, keep it on track. A certain shift had to, had to take place in, in my thinking when I became a parent. And likewise, when, when you get a job, when you get a job, you can no longer afford to think like an unemployed person. You ever notice that? Did you actually got to be at work on time? And you've got to work from like 9 till 5 o'clock, whatever time the boss tells you to be there. You, you can't just play Xbox till 3 in the morning, get up at lunchtime, ha- have a thing to eat, get back in the Xbox at 5 o'clock at night. and go, like, you, you can't do that. You can't think like an unemployed person. Any, not that I'm saying unemployed people just play games all the time. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> if, please don't hear that. But if that is you, that's a word from the Lord and you need to <laughs> get a job and put the remote control down. But you can't, you can't think like an unemployed person when you're employed because things have changed and there's a responsibility. And it's like when we get saved and when we become a Christian, when we start to follow Jesus, we, we can't afford to think any longer like the old person, the old way. Because that's not who we are anymore. That's not where we are any, anymore. To, we have to be transformed by renewing our mind from 
who we once were then to who we are now. There has to be a shift take place. It's taken place in the supernatural. It's taken place in the spiritual realm. But we have to remind ourselves in our mind that, that that's actually happened. Because like we read in the, in the commentary, we can, we can go back to those well-worn ruts of old ways of living, old patterns of thinking. But that's not who we are. And we have to renew our minds to who we are now, not who we used to be then. And that's why it's so vitally important. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, I have made all things new. The old has passed, the new has come. But we forget that. And we can slip back into those old patterns of behavior, those old patterns of thinking, those old patterns of, of decision-making that, that aren't informed by the Word of God, aren't informed by the Spirit of God. And we become more like our old self than the new self Christ has resurrected us to be. So how do we renew our minds? How, do, how does this happen? How, how can we be practical? Well, the first thing, and, and we've talked about this a little while ago in, in Finding Peace, the message we looked at in February. Um, think about what you think about. That's probably the first thing I would say. Think about what you think about. That's how we start to renew our minds. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. That's a good start, right? Is just to, rather than go to the cynical, go to the beautiful. What is good? What is working well? So often we, we go to what's not working well and we, we, our attention is drawn to the squeaky wheel and so then everything is seen through the lens of that squeaky wheel so then everything's broken. But rather than look at what's broken, let's look at what's beautiful and that will change our outlook to see the potential in this world rather than the problems. I think that's a really important place to start with renewing our mind. Find the things that are lovely. Find the things that are good. Find the things that are helpful and think on those things. Now, I'm not saying we, we're ignorant to the brokenness. We're not ignorant to the problems, but that, that, that's not what captures our attention. That's not what we give airplay to. We give airplay to the things that are actually worthy of praise, things that are excellent. Because, anyway, you get the point. So here's a question. Who or what are the primary voices in your world? Like, like, who do you hang around that, that shapes the way you view the world, the way you interact with people, the way you think of yourself, and the decisions that you make? What do you allow through your eyes or through your ears that influences the way you think, that shapes your worldview? What, what accounts on social media do you follow? What news outlets are you listening to that feed your consciousness and shape the way you think. I think if we did a little stock take on that, we probably should go through and find some accounts on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is, Twitter, that we, we follow. No, that's probably not a good influence. They don't fit in that lovely, honorable, excellent, uh, noble, worthy of praise categories. I, I need to probably just mute those things because they're not helpful. Maybe there's friendships that you need to mute because they're negative, cynical people that are actually rubbing off on you you know, see, the old youth pastor is going to come out of me now. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Bad company corrupts good character. What we surround ourselves is ultimately who we become. So that's why Paul is reminding the church in Philippi, hey, guys, whatever's good, think about these things. Whatever people are good and wholesome, they're the ones that you bring into the inner circle. Think about what you think about. 
Be transformed by renewing your mind because it's how we worship God. It's how we become a living sacrifice by thinking about what we think about. It's more than a song. The second thing I would say in in how to uh, renew your mind is surrender to the process of renewal. Surrender to the process of renewal. What what does that mean? I don't really know, but it sounded good when I wrote it. (laughs) I wish I was lying. Um, No, no, I'm kidding. Mainly. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And, and biologically, that is correct. Our cells are being renewed and refresh, refreshed day by day. And the old cells die off, the new cells replenish them and replace them, and that's how we stay alive and we function. But that also happens in a spiritual level too, that day by day we're being renewed. But what are the, the healthy things that we are feeding ourselves on a spiritual level that we, we're being renewed to, is the question. And, and so there's this process at play. Colossians 3.10 says, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So we've got to put on and remind ourselves that there is a process. There is a process at place of our renewal. Salvation is a singular event. What does that mean? That means that there's a, there's a point in time for most of us in this room where we made a decision that we would choose to follow Jesus, allow him, surrender our hearts, surrender our life to follow after him, and he would come into our life, save us from our sin, give us that assurity of heaven, and, and that's, that's a singular event. But the process of renewal is, is what theologians will call sanctification, and that's actually a process. Sanctification our renewal process is not a singular event. It's a day-by-day day thing. Our inner being is being renewed day-by-day. Day. So surrendering to the process of, of, of renewal is helping us day-by-day day become more like Jesus. We start to see things the way Jesus might see things. We start to have compassion, have love, have mercy, have grace because we realize we're all part of this process. I'm not resisting change. Change is inevitable. God wants to take us from glory to glory. He's he's forever changing. This renewal process is in us. We've just got to surrender to that in order to become more like him because I guarantee you, you are not like Jesus enough now that he wants you to be at the end of your life. So therefore, we've got a process to walk along. And and the goal is not perfection, but the goal is progress. Become more like him. So there's work to do. So I, I would just encourage us, surrender to that process of becoming more like Jesus. And the third thing, in how to renew our mind, is understand. So understand talks about intellect. Understand talks about knowledge. It talks about uh, us having this process of thinking and, and comprehending that God's love is power. Understanding that God's love is power. What does that mean? Well, Ephesians 3, verse 17 to 19 says, it says, so so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints of all time, mind you, the, what is the breadth, the length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It sounds very wordy. It sounds very biblical and intellectual. I get that. What it's essentially saying is, The more we know how much God loves us, the more power that love will be manifest in and through our life. 
And how do we know that? By renewing our mind to who God says we are, to the new person that God has raised us to to brand new life to be, by surrendering to the process of renewal to become more like Him. Because the more we like Him we become, the more we understand how much He loves us, the more we understand how much He loves us, the more power is through our life to be like Him. And that's how the process of discipleship outworks. When we understand how much God loves us and the lengths he went to in order to show us that love, it literally changes everything. When we renew our minds from a mentality of religion to that of a loving relationship that is initiated and fulfilled by Jesus himself, the author and perfecter of our faith, that is the most beautiful thing to experience in in all of the human experiences. So worship, I'm bringing this to a close. I'm going to land this in the next minute. Worship is more than a song. And I'm going to bang that drum at way out of time, mind you. Sorry, Lucas. Every week, it's, it's more than a song. Worship, true worship, is a lifestyle. Worship is becoming a living sacrifice. And becoming a living sacrifice starts with renewing our mind. And when we renew our mind, it prevents us from being conformed to this world. When we renew our mind, it brings about our full and total transformation. When we renew our mind, it helps us have the clarity to discern God's will for our life. And it might sound not very spiritual and it might sound not very um, holy, but Jesus is quite clear that we are to love the Lord our God with all our mind. Because as a man thinks, so is he. What we think shapes how we live. What we think shapes the decisions we make. What we think determines everything like the reason you're sitting here today in your literal seats is because you thought at some point that you're going to be at church today and so the power of that thought got you out of bed put a coffee in your hand put beautiful clothes on your body it got you in the car it drove you here it walked through the rain right you could have stayed home because it's wet but you had that thought and that thought sparked power and that's why you're here so as a man thinks so is he But most of the stuff that happens in our life happens on autopilot. We don't consciously think about things. The cognitive thinking processes that happen at a a subconscious level that we don't really bring to the forefront to think about. If if we did, we'd probably be insane. Now I'm putting toothpaste because I thought about toothpaste and now I'm brushing my teeth because this is what I'm thinking about doing. And now it's like, okay, you're a little bit of a wacko. But our, our thoughts are powerful. And, and we're going to gain mastery over those things. And the Bible tells us to take captive every thought. Because there is a battle in our brains. The, the battle to help you become more like Christ or the, or the battle to help you become more like whoever you want to be and your own desire, your own fleshly human desires. And this battle is oftentimes won and lost in how we think and how we view things. We've got to be renewed. We're transformed when we renew our mind.
The brain is powerful. And we love God with it. And there was something else I was going to say, but it just escaped me because I need to renew my mind <laughs> to remembering things. Is that all right? It's how we worship. That's it's how we live a life holy, acceptable, and pleasing to God. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to not do it right. We're going to have impure thought. That's what I was going to say. Thanks for reminding me, by the way, you guys. Awesome. I can feel the surge of prayers. God, help me remember. And it just came to me like the Holy Spirit was amazing. Take captive every thought. Because while we can control the things that you know, we, we look at and the people we're around, all this sort of stuff, and we can really be focused on renewing our mind, there are going to be times if you have you know, blood pumping around your body where thoughts come into your head, you're like, what the heck? Like if, if that was shown in a court of law, I would be put in prison. I can't think those thoughts. They're crazy thoughts. We all have those bizarre thoughts. And they might not be that extreme, but they might be slight um, milder thoughts of temptation. Well, if I just and entertain the thought of, oh, maybe that person, you know, me and them could, I don't know. That's why the Bible says take every thought captive and surrender it to Christ. So he becomes the standard by which we make decisions. He becomes the standard by which we determine whether that thought is helpful or harmful. Is this thought, this urge, this temptation, this, this process of thinking, is this drawing me closer to Jesus? Is this going to result in human flourishing and God's best for my life? Or is it going to end in destruction? When I surrender that thought to Jesus and say, what would he have for me? That makes it really clear whether I should obey that thought or disregard that thought. And that's how... The battle is won in the battlefield of the mind. And again, this is a process. This is not something that you can just walk out and say, yep, I'm going to do that. But you've got to remember to renew your mind to this truth every day. And little by little, thought by thought, it'll get easier over time, over months, over years. But this is the correct process for us to be on in order to be more like Jesus. Take control of those thoughts. Surrender it to Him. And watch Him transform you as we renew our mind to who he calls us to be, this new life we have in him, not the old life where we once were far from him. And he'll do the rest. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for every single person here today. Lord, I pray that you would just give us the strength to really think about what we think about. To take control of our life. To be intentional about the thinking processes, to be intentional about what we allow in our eyes and through our ears. God, I thank you that you have an incredible plan for us. You've already done so much in our life, Lord God. The fact that we are, can call ourselves a Christian, can call ourselves a disciple of Jesus, means that we have experienced the greatest miracle of all, our souls being resurrected to brand new life. So in this new life, help us not sink back into old patterns of thinking. But Lord, help us stand up with a conscious awareness of who you are, how good you are, and the plan you have for our life. And to take control of our minds. Help us to put people around us that can help us, that can encourage us, that can um, inspire us and bring wisdom to us in this journey, Lord, that we are we're not alone. 
And Lord, remind us in those dark moments where those dark thoughts, those pervasive thoughts that try to corrupt us and get into our heart, help us to be quick to see those for what they are. Help us to be quick to take those thoughts captive and surrender it to you. To take those, those thoughts hostage and hand them over to the authority of Christ so that we'd be free from those thoughts, Lord God. I thank you in doing this, that we would be a people that would not be conformed to the pattern of this world, no longer stuck in the system of this world, but, but we would be transformed to the life that you have for us. And in that transformation, we would see the will, the plan, the purpose that you have for each and every one of our lives. Would you bless us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.